All right, all right. Another episode of the Lilac City Leadership Podcast. And, you know, this is your, your host and co-host, James Krejci and... Doyle Wheeler. And one of our goals to this, with this podcast was to invite a bunch of mediocre guests onto the show. So we're actually failing miserably at that because we have uh, yet another really exciting uh, uh, guest on today, Tom Simpson. So welcome, Tom. Well, thank you. I love that uh, entree, calling mediocre. Okay, I'll take that. No, our, <laughs> delighted we were, to be here. We were we were striving to <laughs> striving to get uh, mediocre people on, and we just can't do it. Huh? Well, just, I think uh, you succeeded today. No, I appreciate we did not. <laughs> we're failing miserably. No, Tom is a good problem. Fantastic yeah. guest, and uh, I I joke about um, podcast guests all the time, but. Uh, we're truly grateful to have you on, Tom. And uh, folks that don't know Tom, I think there's maybe five or six in town that don't know you yet. Um, Tom is basically at the center of the startup ecosystem, is what I would say. And there's probably things that you're involved with that I don't even know yet. But um, some of the main highlights that come to mind are CEO of Ignite, um, leader of the Angel Alliance, uh, involved in uh, a lot of the startup community and cultivating and, and uh, helping with capital raises and connecting folks to, uh, to good resources on that front. Um, anything I'm missing there, Tom? That you I think that pretty much summarizes well? it. You know, the other, yeah. um, the other thing I do is I have a family of uh, angel investment funds that I manage. Um, so that's another thing that's, uh, you know, part of the resources that I can bring to um, entrepreneurs and startups and tech companies in the region. Yeah, very awesome. And I would say, you know, if uh, um, awesome resource to have here in Spokane, and, and uh, I'm sure folks would agree with me that it's unique in a community like this to have the, the startup platform that we have. And I'm sure there are other regions that are envious of, of what we have here. So again, really excited to have you on, Tom. Uh, this is gonna be an engaging episode, I, I can feel it. So, well, thanks for having me, delighted to be here. Absolutely. Before we kind of dive into the, the leadership-related topics, kind of give us a background of um, what uh, transpired in your life that brought you to the, the startup scene. You know, none of it was really planned. I grew up in Spokane, uh, went to Lewiston Clark High School. Uh, my dad was a relatively conservative attorney in Spokane, and uh, um, so I actually kind of find it surprising I find myself as an entrepreneur and angel investor because um, it certainly wasn't in my DNA. But... Uh, my, my background is, um, you know, went to Wilson Clark, went to the U University of Washington, have always loved Spokane, uh, came back here in 1982. I was a CPA for about three years here in Spokane, worked with uh, Deloitte Haskins and Sells, got a little restless doing that, um, went to business school on the East Coast, went to Wharton in Philadelphia. Um, you know, after that, um, I really wanted to go into investment banking and I wanted to come back to Spokane, but as you can imagine, there's not a lot of investment banking activities in Spokane. <laughs> I was fortunate in securing a position with a regional investment banking firm with uh, an office in Seattle and I joined on with them. And that's really where I kind of got the basis for my experience in capital formation and entrepreneurship and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I had a wonderful mentor in Seattle, and Seattle was really up and coming at that time as an entrepreneurial hub. The markets were effervescent, and so I got some great experience, met a lot of wonderful people, got to understand the financing landscape, IPOs, venture capital, mergers and acquisitions. Did yeah. that for about 10 years, and then one day got invited to uh, uh, evaluate an opportunity here in Spokane to take over a, uh, an angel investment fund that was created in the late 80s uh, through, through the momentum process to kind of you know kickstart the local economy here. Mm -hmm. 
took that on, moved to Spokane, and uh, used that platform to uh, build a family of venture capital funds. Over the next three years, I raised about $175 million to invest throughout the Northwest, opened up an office in Seattle, and for a couple of years was one of the largest uh, VC investors in the state of Washington. Uh, that was really fun for the first five years because that was the <laughs> late 90s when basically the markets were hot and uh, uh, what's the expression, the rising tide lifted all boats? Yeah. Next five years wasn't so much fun. Uh, the market crashed, Sarbanes-Oakley, 9-11, uh, the number of venture capital funds in Seattle went from like four to 43, way too much oh. money in the system. And uh, I, I, I decided that uh, you know it was a fun ride, didn't really want to do it anymore. Um, I there's a lot of things about the venture capital model I didn't really like mm -hmm. um, and then from there I didn't fr quite frankly didn't really know what I was gonna do next yeah uh, but kind of two things serendipitously occurred one I was invited to uh, uh, kind of take over what was then the Delta Angel Group and I rebranded that the Spokane Angel Alliance I kind mm -hmm. of copied it after the Seattle Alliance of Angels which is one of the most uh, successful angel groups in the country. So took that over and uh, you know grew it to about over 100 members. And over the last uh, you know 12 years or so, members have put about 60 million dollars into 50 companies in the area. And then uh, I was also asked to teach at Gonzaga, and uh, wow. I'd always wanted to teach, be an adjunct professor out there. And uh, so I took that on. And in the fall of 2007, had my very first class. And in that class was a young man by the name of Josh Neblett. And one day I presented an idea for a company uh, called Green Cupboards. And he thought it was a terrific idea and asked if he could write a business plan for it, for which I said, sure. <laughs> and, and he did. And you know, one thing led to another. And uh, about a, you know, six or nine months later, he and I started the company um, and grew that to about $120 million in revenues. Sold it about four years ago. Uh, in the process, uh, did a couple name changes. Uh, initially from green cupboards to eTales and then eTales to uh, Caspian and now it's a publicly held company here in Spokane and I'm delighted to still be involved as a board member yeah um, so that was a lot of words really fast but you asked the question so no, be careful what you ask for fantastic journey yeah, yeah I no mean kidding. You, you just talk about a background that has <laughs> led to you know even more excitement here in, in the in the present so um, and you use the word effervescent in that. I think that's the, yeah. the word of the episode. So that, um, I, I like it. Uh, how was that starting uh, uh, teaching? I mean, that's something that if you hear your background, it's uh, maybe something that's a little bit different than what you had yep. uh, come up doing. So what was that like when you stood in front of those uh, students in uh, 07? Yeah, you, know, you know, oddly, uh, it, it was kind of something that was on my bucket list. I always wanted to teach. And uh, uh, I was very fortunate because um, the students at Gonzaga are just great young men and women, um, mm -hmm. and I was teaching in the in the entrepreneurial program, and uh, they gave me a lot of leeway to kind of you know create the syllabus any way I wanted to. So um, yeah. I wasn't strictly uh, prescribed to follow a set syllabus. So I got to I got to create the class the way that I wanted to, and so I really enjoyed it. And you know, obviously, uh, it, it led to uh, it had, it had a very positive outcome that was completely unexpected. Yeah, um, and that that's why I might I might kind of divert here for a second. Um, you know, all the things that I have done, none of them have been planned. None of them have been nice. planned. Because mm -hmm. um, people talk about career planning. And I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with just good luck. But um, luck isn't really luck. Luck isn't really luck. 
Luck, you can create luck. In my mind, luck is the intersection of hard work and opportunity. And for that, I kind of give a visual. Think of a ball machine mm -hmm. spitting out balls. In life, you just want to put yourself in ball machines, just in front of ball machines. I mean, yeah. you know, don't sit at home on your sofa watching Netflix. Go out and do stuff. You know, meet people, uh, you know, participate in activities, uh, find hobbies, and just get out there. Those are all ball machines. And then when you're there, don't just stand there, start swinging. And that's the hard work. You know, yeah. just, just in, even if you're not a, a good batter, if you just keep swinging and swinging and swinging, and you put yourself regularly in front of ball machines, you know what? The odds are you're going to hit a couple home runs. Yep. So that's kind of that's kind of um, that's kind of been my life, as you can tell. I, I've got a little bit of energy, a little bit of passion. <laughs> I'm not a good batter, but I can swing. But and so all, all the things that I've done are really kind of are the result of that formula. Those Hall of Fame batters are hitting 30 percent of the time, so that's yeah, all it takes. Right. Yep. Babe, Babe Ruth was a strikeout king. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he was the he was the home run master. But yeah, you, you, what, do you, what is uh, you you miss 100 percent of the shots you never take? Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. It's cool. So and, and that I'll just throw this in. It's a it's applicable to everyone. Absolutely. It, it knows no boundaries. Hard work absolutely. pays off every time. It does. Guaranteed. And I feel like we have um, in Spokane in particular, we have kind of an honest hard work that you don't necessarily yeah. see mm -hmm. in other regions that where people are looking out for each other. Yep. Um, they're looking to do the right thing while giving that effort. Yeah. So that, that is a very special unique. characteristic of our labor force here in this region. Yeah. Right. Hardworking people and very loyal people as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, locals, uh, locals and business in Spokane, hardcore. That's yep. a, that's why we're here. We're trying to figure out what what has motivated people because 30 years ago there was no internet, yeah. and these people have stuck it out. And you still have business going in Spokane that has been around forever. Yep. And uh, what what makes that happen and is special. But what leadership style applies to business that started 30 years ago. And like James and I, we only know the internet, which is great. It's a great time to be alive and taking the bat, you know, swinging, and and you got the internet on your side. But the the I would what would you say blended plural atmosphere of leadership styles on the mm -hmm. internet becomes the same. Yep. It's the same touch points. It's almost yep. like it's evolved to copying each other a little bit, and the message is similar. But talking to someone like you, it, okay. So there's more there's more layers to leadership than just what you find on the internet. There, I, absolutely. I would agree. So and, and we love leadership. That's why that's uh, you know leadership is in the title of this show, and so that's what we we try to dissect and um, kind of tweak the each episode to what you know the guest mm -hmm. has expertise in. So one of the things that we've been really curious about is um, you've seen a lot of entrepreneurs, you've yep. seen a ton of startups. Um, what similarities and differences are there when you look at a, a leader and a founder of a startup company uh, versus, say, a leader CEO of an established company? What are some of the differences and similarities there that you've experienced? You know, you know, leadership is one of those gray areas. I mean, one size doesn't fit all. I mean, you can't say here are here are the the key characteristics. Uh, that are required for a leader. Because I, I can point to several people, if you made a list like that, that violated a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, um, there's just not a perfect formula. You know, frankly, I would say the leadership styles of, of, of both a, a leader at an early stage 
and at the later stage, there's a lot of overlap. I think a lot of them are similar. The only difference may be that a, a leader of a startup may enjoy that environment more. They might be more of a risk taker. They like chaos. They like uh, uh, equations that don't really have an answer, a process that is muddled. Um, so they, they prefer that environment. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a leader of a startup versus a leader of, you know, um, you know uh, a company that's been around for 50 years, the leader of a business been around for a while probably prefers more stability, predictability, and those sort of things. So mm -hmm. I think that's it's, it's kind of a preference, really. I mean, because you yeah. see people like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Howard Schultz, Phil Knight, Bill Gates, that you know were able to cross the chasm, so to speak, and, and be dynamic leaders at an early stage, but also carried it to the end. Do you think that's a, a learned? Uh, do, do they get there by learning through their experiences? Are they um, making an effort to train in a certain way that gets them across that chasm? You know, I, I think that um, you know, doing that is not easy. It's really yeah. easy because the skill sets do change. Um, and I think these are people that have the ability to, to pivot and refine, rinse, repeat, and improve. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite expressions is, if you don't like change, you're gonna like irrelevancy even less. <laughs> so they're, 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 they're adaptable. They can change as the company morphs from a startup to one with you know, several hundred or a billion dollars in revenues. Gotcha. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. We actually mm -hmm. put that in I our like pitch that. decks. I like that. We put it in every single pitch deck. And if you go look at our employee page right now, we, we have a startup vibe. That's one of the biggest things we have to yeah. offer is we can innovate. There's no wrong answer to yeah. a good problem. It's kind of like you know, Jeff Bezos. He, he begins um, all of his annual reports to shareholders with it's day one. It's nice. day one. Although now it's obviously a ginormous corporation. Uh, he still wants to maintain that startup mentality. It's day one nice. still. That's such a good attitude. I love that. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I think I I think I've said this many times on the show is is uh, but being at the place where your back's against the wall is when everything shaped up. You could see the big picture. Yep. You could go forward, and you had nothing to lose. You just have to get going. Yep. And I think where I start to really lose my footing is when I don't have my back against the wall. And starting starting back yeah. there, get to the wall, put your back right into it, yep. straighten it straight, and and you can see things you didn't see before. Yep. Pretty exciting. That's cool. Anyway, when so thinking about investing in a startup company, um, there's a lot uh, that can be kind of evaluated on paper. And does mm -hmm. this pencil out to where it makes sense for us as investors? Blah blah blah. How much weight though is placed on the leadership team when you're evaluating a, a startup, or uh, you know maybe a, a second capital raise, things like that for early stage companies? Well, the team is really most of the formula. You know, in real estate, they say real estate, real estate, real estate is is um, um, the most important thing. Location. Um, in in startup investing, it's really kind of management, 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 or yeah. founder, founder, founder. Uh, so I mean, it's it's highly important, highly mm -hmm. important. Um, um, you 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 want to have a good product or service, and you know, an attractive market, and a profitable business model, and all that. But uh, I'd much rather have just an 
outstanding team mm -hmm. and a medio mediocre product and market over a mediocre team and an outstanding product or market. So yeah, the team, I mean, the team is everything. It's really everything. So we're seeing some of that in the Spokane startup scene where companies will have success, they'll sell, and then those sa that same founder group is starting another company. Yep. Yep. Um, that's exciting to see, and that just is a testament to what you just said. Um, those successful folks are continuing yep. to make it happen. And that's really yeah. important for an entrepreneurial hub to have companies that succeed, and uh, at some point in time they're they're sold or or, or the founders get restless and they go start uh, a new companies. I mean, that, that's, 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 that's the flywheel that is really, really important for any community or city or region to become really, truly an entrepreneurial hub. Let me reverse that question. So now let's say you're hiring a company to help your startup. Uh, how do you look at their leadership style? Would it be the good product rather than the good team? Or would you look at both? How would you weigh that out? So evaluating a company to provide service to your startup or to your investment. So you've already picked the team, okay. your company's moving forward, now you have to get a third party involved to provide manufacturing or to, yep. to do a service. How would you pick that from a leadership point of view? I, I think you know, the, uh, the, the list I would go through um, is really, um, you know, can this provider deliver? Number one. Uh, number two, are the interests of the provider aligned with the interest of my company. Um, those are probably the two key things. You know, uh, leadership is clearly something you need to evaluate, but um, the other two variables I highlighted would be the key ones. And, you know, presumably if that's true, they have good leadership. Nice. <laughs> cool. What, so some founders uh, and inventors are not leaders um, in the <laughs> traditional sense. Yep. So what does a person like that do to kind of break into the, the scene and uh, build partnerships with folks who may be able to help lead their company, their yep. idea? Yep. Um, that's typically a technical founder, someone who's come up with a great yeah. idea, but they don't necessarily have the business judgment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ideally when you're starting a company, you want to have one or two co-founders. You know, people that... Um, complement your skill set. You know, maybe mm -hmm. one's technical, uh, maybe one is sales and marketing, you know, one is operations. So you, you, you can bring together all the components that you need to develop a successful business and you've got someone to bring you through the highs and lows. Um, so I, I would, you know, uh, if there's a technical, and it's also very important to know your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, so really kind of a test for a technical founder for me is if uh, they have the ability to go out and identify and secure somebody to bring on as a co-founder to help them on their journey. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, even, even though the technical founder may not be one who can go out there and evangelize the product line and identify customers, you still want them to have some sort of moxie where they can convince somebody, hey, I have this idea. I can't take it to the next level, but this is, this is a rocket ship and I, I need you as a pilot or a co-pilot. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so would you would you sum that up as understanding it like it's part feeling, like it's part of a feeling. It's not all just about what's on paper or what the idea actually is or what it could be, but it's also the human element, the, the yeah. involvement of the human nature yeah. and 
and uh, the the spark, the the things that could make that business pop or go to the next level. Yep. Yeah. Takes a team. Takes team. Teamwork makes the dream work. How cliche <laughs> is that? <laughs> uh-huh. Very good. <laughs> cliche phrase of the show. Uh, <laughs> let's talk entrepreneurship and and just your experience, Tom. Uh, describe to us what's the best win that you've been a part of, whether it's you know something you've invested in or just even witnessed in in your career. Well, I mean, uh, obviously I'm very biased, but um, building green cupboards, yeah, and uh, you know that that was clearly um, you know not only financially rewarding, but just rewarding in so many other elements too. To you know, partner with Josh and Sarah and build that company, put together a team, develop a culture, um, grow the company, uh, provide jobs here in Spokane. I mean, that was just rewarding in so many different ways. So, mm-hmm. that that that's uh, that's the one. And seeing it evolve from what it was to yep. what it was, you know, a year ago to what it is today too is probably. Yep. And, you know, it's great too. I mean, we, we initially sold the company to a company uh, based on the East Coast, but you know, it's just wonderful to see it now, a Spokane based company that's publicly held. So super cool. And yeah, I, I think we're still kind of only, you know, halfway through the, the Caspian story too. I mean, the company is doing very well, growing rapidly and, um, um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what it becomes in the next, you know, five to ten years. Absolutely, it's gonna be cool. What are, are there some memorable losses that have kind of stuck with you and maybe helped uh, evolve your approach? You know, probably the most memorable loss was really a missed opportunity. You know, early on in my career, when I was um, um, with uh, Dane Bosworth in Seattle, I had a wonderful mentor. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing and uh, introduced me to a lot of entrepreneurs in Seattle and, and kind of taught me the trade of uh, investment banking. And one of the people he introduced me to early on was Howard Schultz, you know, the founder of Starbucks. Yeah. And this was really very early on in Starbucks um, growth. And uh, collectively, we had an opportunity to put a very minor amount of money, I think it was like $3,000, into one of the very first offerings for Starbucks. And I called up my dad, um, because that was a lot of money to me, and I called up my dad, who I previously referenced was a kind of conservative attorney here in Spokane. I said, hey dad, I have a chance to put, you know, um, know, $3,000 into this company called Starbucks. And my dad goes, what? (laughs) What's a latte anyway? And who's ever gonna pay a dollar for it and I kind of thought about that and, and and so I did not invest well clearly that was a huge mistake a huge missed opportunity wow. and a huge loss but it, it taught me a, it taught me a real lesson at the time I mean I um, I think I got too focused on just the business model and just you know uh, um, and and didn't really look back to leadership at the entrepreneur. I didn't really val. I, di- I didn't put enough weight on this individual Howard Schultz and his passion and his knowledge. And and so um, that's really kind of guided me. That's one thing I I I, I uh, evaluate uh, frequently is look at the founder. And again, back yeah. to your question, what's more important, kind of the. The, the plan, you know, the product, the business model, or is it is it the founder? And, and I think I put too much weight on the plan itself and not necessarily on the founder of that one. Gotcha. That's a cool story. I wouldn't <laughs> call it a fail. We're here right now. Yeah. You've got yep. some major wins yep. because yep. that didn't yep. work out. Yep. <laughs> exactly. 
It hurts, though, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was a good learning experience. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so today is, what, Thursday the 24th of June? June. June. And we're sitting here recording it. It's going to publish uh, several weeks down the road. But what's this, the most exciting thing that you're working on today? The most exciting thing, well, I, again, I'll probably have a little bit of bias, but I, I'm just loving this opportunity I have here at Ignite. Mm -hmm. um, I'm coming up on kind of my two-year anniversary here, and you know, we pivoted this organization to really focused on you know, funding, enlightening, and mentoring mm -hmm. explosively growing companies in our region, which is Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, and Sandpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with uh, all that um, the attention that this region is getting, uh, the number, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it, I mean, the number of startups, the number of people that are uh, moving here, that are considering opening up an office here, uh, the growth, I mean, it's, 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 it's super exciting. And, yeah. you know, I've got a passion for this area. I love entrepreneurship. So, you know, working through with Ignite to fund, enlighten, and mentor um, companies here is definitely the most exciting thing I'm working on. That's awesome. It's generating a lot of buzz around town too. Yep. Um, and I've got a great team here with uh, Cindy and uh, Jeff White, our CFO, is now retiring, but we just brought on a new person, April Stoltz, who uh, actually just started this week. So, oh, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're a small three-person team, but I think we're big at the net and, and delivering on a lot of things that um, uh, are, are, are greater than, than, than just a three-person organization. Like the loft that we're in here right now is, and this building, the 518 building, has kind of become you know, the, the hub for you know, entrepreneurs really and students and business leaders and, and, and others in the community. You can, I mean, there's countless business connections that happen down in, in Davao yep. right oh, below yeah. us, and uh, I just love coming here. It's, uh, it, it makes me happy. Yep. <laughs> Goodbye. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Okay, so just uh, for, the, for the people that are just understanding what Tom is up to and what Ignite is, take you back. I told you there's five of them, so we're yeah. speaking to <laughs> five. So, so go back seven years to the first startup weekend. I kept hearing about Tom Simpson. Well, we got to talk to Tom. We got to talk to Tom. Like, who's Tom? What, what is this? this is, I can't wait to meet this guy. And then humble Tom walks in and it's like, oh, yeah, we need to think about this. We need to think about that. Startup weekend be so much more. And I think the 10 startup weekends I was fully invested in, fully involved in and didn't compete, but just on the as a as a, a part of the, um, the team, um, there was I always heard this back back ground terminology that this could be so much more for Spokane and and so here's Ignite and it's it I can't I can't say it's a pivot from Startup Weekend but a lot of the backbone of Startup Weekend you'll find in Ignite not because Startup Weekend put it there but because Tom Simpson's here <laughs> so I, I value your story and I value what you bring to the table that others get help from and you don't even know it. So. Well, you were a huge contributor. I mean, when I think of Startup Weekend, I think of you. I mean, you were involved in all of them, um, and you just had a positive attitude and rolled up your sleeves and uh, really contributed to the success of it. So, um, <laughs> you know, I it, it's it's a small town here. I'm somewhat visible, but you know, there's a you know, I could make a list of 25 to 50 people that are all really involved, roll up their sleeves and make it happen. And and so it's it's a, it's a real team effort. Agreed. And, uh, as I think I alluded earlier, we're bringing back Startup Weekend yeah. this year. 
Tell us more, please. We're going to call it Sparks, and I probably shouldn't say too much about Sounds it now great. because we're going to probably do some announcements later, but we'll just leave it that we're going to bring it back. Sparks will be fine. Sparks will be yep. fine. Yep, that, it's right. going to be cool. Um, and so I'll, I'll leave that there, but I will say if you're hearing this right now, don't be patient. you got to dig deep, find out what Sparks is going to be all about. Just keep grinding on that. It's well, going to be worth your time. There'll gotta, be more coming out about yeah. it uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks. So. <laughs> and then um, I, I, I don't mean to keep hanging on to everything here, but you, you talked a little bit about um, finding a mentor. So can you, can you in just a couple minutes, like what would you encourage someone that has a good idea or even a startup and they don't really know where to go next? How would you find a mentor in Spokane? Are you, are you trying to tee this up for me? Maybe because, because I mean, you know, Take I talk about, swing, well, I talk about you know, ignite, ignite, you know, funds, enlightens, and mentors, explosively growing companies. So one of the things that we have is we have somewhat of a proprietary group of mentors. These are people in the community that uh, I'm familiar with that have basically agreed that uh, if I come across an entrepreneur or a startup um, that uh, um, is looking for a mentor, perhaps in their field by industry or stage of growth or whatever criteria that if I introduce them, they will agree to spend an hour or two, hear the pitch, hear the presentation, meet with the team. Um, but from there, it's, it, it's up to uh, the mentor and uh, the, the entrepreneur or the startup to determine whether or not there's a chemistry there to continue. Um, so we were able to match those but mentorship is a bit like friendship. I mean, you can't, you can't force it. It either kind of happens or it doesn't happen. But, you know, if someone comes to me and they are, let's say that they're a medical device company and there's, we're looking for a mentor, I could, for example, put them in connection with Dan Rourke, who's one of my mentors. And, and Dan is an individual in Spokane, went to Shadle Park. He's on his third healthcare startup. First two, he, he grew, um, successfully exited, and now he's you know CEO of Gestalt here in Spokane, spin out from Inland Imaging, and but so he's an example of you know how our our our, our mentorship program can work. It's cool, good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Thanks um, for thanks for uh, teeing that yeah. one up. <laughs> so one thing, just from the outside looking in, I hear you say rapidly growing. What about a startup that's just an idea that hasn't rapidly grown? Is there room for them? Well, yeah, I mean, if, you know, uh, entrepreneurs come in two flavors, two flavors. One, and, and neither one is better than the other, and neither one is wrong or right. You, you have, you know, some entrepreneurs, uh, you know, like Jordan Allen here in Spokane, with, with his new company, Rumor. He is going to conquer the world with his new company. It's not just Spokane. It's not just Washington. Uh, it's not just the region. He, he wants, you know... Uh, you know, rumored to probably be uh, on every desktop in the world at some point in time. That's his vision. Then you have other entrepreneurs, and you know, uh, I'm not going to probably name any names, but you know, someone that <laughs> wants to, you know, have a corner boutique in Spokane, and they say, you know, I, I want to open up this store or this business, and and really just you know, kind of focus on Spokane, more of a lifestyle entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, neither one is wrong or right or better than the other. It's just that their their uh, their their growth trajectory might be different. So, I mean, if, if someone has a plan that, hey, I also want to conquer the world, I've got a plan that um, looks like it's going to be explosively growing, you know, I'd be delighted to talk to them. Gotcha. 
That's and awesome. frankly, you know, if someone also has a lifestyle business, you know, I, you know, I'd be happy to be helpful to them too. But you know, a lot of the resources that we have at our disposal are, mm -hmm. are really more geared toward those explosively growing businesses. Yeah, yeah, and and I agree. Lifestyle is a lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, lifestyle branding is a lifestyle. It's yep. going to take time. Yeah, and, and I would say brace up, go for the long haul, look at the long game. Yeah, yeah. That was an interesting segue into a question that's on my mind. It's uh, basically matching up the entrepreneur with the right idea for them is kind of where I'm going with this. But, uh, you know, a lot of us have families, we have, you know, a need to provide for our families, etc. Yep. If there's an entrepreneur that's going down the wrong path, and they get backed, and, and that becomes a failure, and yep. then they've got a family behind them that yep. this impacts now. Yep. How do you how do you go about steering people away from ideas that, you know, they seem like good ideas, but they're just not the right fit for that person? You know that's a tough one. That's a <laughs> tough. You know, to I, I I don't you know I don't really um, you know I'll never s tell anybody hey that's a bad idea. Um, I will because if I did that, uh, you know, um, first of all, you know, kind of what I do in the community. I mean, you know, um, sometimes you ruffle some feathers because people may not really you know necessarily like your style. I can be direct sometimes. They may not like <laughs> the terms of the financing you're offering. Um, so I, I have to be really careful about how I interact with people, and I'm and, yeah. and, and I'm very conscientious of that. So I'm never going to say, "Hey, that's a bad idea." Yeah. What I will do is try to be constructively ask questions of you. Mm -hmm. now, who are your competitors? How are you going to make money? Uh, do you really think you can sell it through the internet or Facebook ads? Yeah. Ask those sort of questions, and it's typically and it's questions that kind of come from my experience and my years of experience. And hey, I've got a lot of scars on my back. I mean, I've I've done a lot of things that haven't worked out well. Uh, my uncle, who was once a very successful entrepreneur, once said, "You only need to be right sixty percent of the time, but that forty percent hurts, you know." And and you learn from it, <laughs> yep. and you stub your toes, and all those sort of things. So, um, so I but I, I I I try to ask constructive questions to get people to think critically about what they're doing and, and typically questions that their friends and family are not going to ask of them because mm -hmm. oftentimes I have I have people come to me and say god my friends and family love this idea well I go well, duh of course they're gonna <laughs> like it and so the real role I play is, is to try to get them to think Critically, yeah. and you know, with, particularly with new ideas. I mean, you know, I'm the one who didn't invest in Starbucks. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I certainly don't have a crystal ball to tell you which new idea is going to win or lose. But I can help you think through your plan and your team and how much capital you need and business models and markets and competition and marketing and sales strategy. But you yeah, know, I'm, I'm not here to say that's a bad idea or a good idea. Yeah. Um, just kind of direct people and, and, yep. and a lot it, of times they'll self-select i imagine you, they'll yeah. start thinking ah, i really don't have an answer for that maybe my idea yep. is not not the right one but so. i am cautious in yeah. telling people hey don't quit your day job until yeah. until this thing is is looking to look more real because you know it, i mean I, i'm very sympathetic and I, I and i'm not going to name names but you know i i know a couple of people here in town that are are trying to start new businesses while they're still the main breadwinner for a family and they're working nights and weekends and all that but and and they're and, and i love the fact that they're doing it but you mm -hmm. know they're not going to cut the cord until they they have a certain level of confidence knowing that this thing's going to take off yeah but boy i admire those people mm -hmm. i mean they're oh, following yeah. their passion and 
and um, you know spending you know nights and weekends uh, trying to build a business while during the day they're providing for their families and taking care of their families. Not easy. They're in front of the ball machine. Yep, that's so, right. Swinging hard. What in the world is it about Spokane that this place is just? <laughs> I mean, you're a lot of it. Yeah. The community that you're involved in is a lot of it. Uh, what else though? There just seems to be a, a lot that's special about Spokane. You know, um, you know, it's the people. Um, and I think there's somewhat of a similar mindset here about the people that live in Spokane. Um, and they're good people, they're loyal, they like the outdoors. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, uh, through Ignite, we, we, we publish a series of things called The Other East Side. And yeah. uh, people kind of ask me, hey, where did The Other East Side come from? And when I was very actively working in Seattle, and I used to almost commute there on a daily basis, you know, people would say, "Hey, Tom, let's meet. You know, let's let's meet on the East Side." And when they say that, they kind of meant Bellevue or Issaquah or Renton <laughs> or Redmond or something like that. And I'd go, "No, no, no, no. The the the, the, the East Side's really Spokane." Um, so uh, what I so I am going to answer your question here. There are just so many attributes to Spokane, whether it's the recreation, the outdoors, the universities, um, you know, the arts district. I mean, there's so many- Cost of living. Amazing, cost of living. So many amazing elements of this region that we've distilled them down into this kind of you know, uh, series called The Other East Side, where we highlight all of these many things about Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, and Sandpoint about our region. Um, so rather than list like all 45 of them or whatever they are so far, <laughs> I, I direct people to look at, uh, at kind of our news feed on Ignite Northwest and look at the other east side. But I so many of them. People both in the region and outside probably will look at a few of those and go like, really? Yeah. That, that's true about Spokane? I mean, I know I do it. I look at those. Like, and like, the, like, the, like, like the second or the first largest urban waterfall in the country is Spokane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not Niagara Falls. <laughs> now, I might have that. We're either first or second, but we're one of the largest. We'll just, for this show, we'll just say first. I like sure, yeah, I why like not? It. It's all marketing. <laughs> Be the leader, Tom. Yeah. Just own it. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, I think, I think there's some of the things that really pop out when I think of the other east side is if you were going to be a start a manufacturing startup we've got good power we're not yep. going to run out of power we're yep. really close to water uh we got wind energy yep. up the hill um if you if you need space unlimited yep you, you yep. can go to Deer Park and you could you yep. can set up shop and you have plenty of power yep um the list goes on cost of living four seasons for any of your Silicon yep. Valley friends that want to move to a to an environment yep. where it's vibrant um, I do want to make one distinction here. For a number of years, um, when Spokane would market itself, they would lead with, hey, move to Spokane, start your business here because it's cheap. Hmm. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's cheap. It's really inexpensive. Well, the types of companies that they would recruit then are those that are counting pencils at night and really are not making a high profit margin. So what I like to do now is talk about the quality of life and mm -hmm. all the other benefits of this region. You know, the, the, you talk about the workforce, how hard, the, the, the strong uh, work ethic of the workforce, the loyalty, the students, the, 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 the recreation, all of those sort of things. Because then you will attract companies that frankly 
can relocate anywhere. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're competing for employees. And so the, their basis of competition is not really you know, compensation or cost. It's, hey, you know what? We have an office in Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, or Sandpoint. We can now offer you a quality of life that someone else can't do. So highlight that and, and then say, oh, and oh, by the way, it's affordable. But yeah, get, yeah, the, yeah. the hook is the quality of life. Smart. And then the closing is, okay, you know what? It's also affordable. You can, you can get a very nice home on a tree-lined street in Spokane for you know, something that uh, um, is affordable. You know, we were helping out with a, uh, sorry, I was, no, I was jumping, I'm getting all excited. I love Spokane and all it has We're all to kind offer. of feeding on each other. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I built a website for a piece of property that is um, able to pull in electrical and also have retail space and have a place for offices. So it's really cool. And one of the things that we've discovered in research is that um, with the amount of schools that we have here, we've got people nationally coming to Gonzaga, Whitworth. Yep. Yep. You've got locals hitting Eastern. Then we have community college. Now we have... Washington State University pulling in here, WSU School of Nursing, and then WSU is only a few miles away. Right. All of that accumulates to a huge choosing ground. Absolutely. Absolutely huge. Yep. And we put out job applications. We get 30 or job job requests um, just on LinkedIn. We'll get 30 or 40 overnight. And they're all college educated right from around here. Yep. No kidding. Great to hear. It's good stuff. That was teeing up Tom for another one of his uh, uh, ventures with uh, job postings around here. I think uh, Ignite uh, Ignitematch.works. That's right. Um, and, and it's really meant to be kind of a central location that anybody looking for um, a new opportunity in Spokane, uh, either someone that lives here already or is looking to move here, one central place that they can go to to see most, not all, but most of the um, technical and senior level positions with companies in the area. And a central location where um, companies in the area can put those job postings. Mm -hmm. And it just, in my mind, it kind of trims the fat. Like if you're going on a normal recruiting uh, job board or something like that, you got to filter through all these things and there's a bunch of stuff that you don't want. Here it's like we have an employer in Spokane. We have a yep. potential employee. Let's get those guys together. Yep. So really cool. Yeah. Um, I actually put a couple job posts out on that. I liked it. My only encouragement to anyone that would actually put a post on uh-huh. there for a job is highlight your culture. Make sure okay. people know exactly what's on there. Don't bake your Indeed um, post right into Ignite. Like there's a vibrancy that needs yep. to come into Ignite. Yep. So. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying no. it to anyone that could right. potentially put a job post up on the Ignite network. It's good. Good observation. Awesome. Are there are there limitations in Spokane where, um, and I'm kind of an optimist, so I'm going to put a positive spin on this, but are there limitations that could be opportunities for uh, people in terms of leadership? In terms of leadership, um, you know, I don't know if leadership really is geographically muted or constrained um you know if if i the the thing you know um if i had a if i if i could wave a magic wand over this region i would love to see the local universities and and, and colleges um, mint more um, computer science degrees then because that's 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 where we have a shortage yeah we have a a shortage there okay Um, i agree yeah um, you know you know interestingly enough um uh 
there's a lot of just tremendous talent and leaders in Spokane. There's a lot of people I've met who, who are somewhat quiet in the community, and, they, and they, they, they live here or moved here because they chose to do so. In many cases, they had success elsewhere, and somehow in their background traveled through Spokane or mm -hmm. whatever reason, but they planted themselves here. So there's, there's a lot of incredibly quiet leaders here in town. So mm -hmm. I don't think we have a shortage or constraint there, but more, more computer science degrees, shortage of that. Awesome. Well, let's go. Let's yeah. do it. Oh, I'm going to college tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to be a computer scientist. I mean, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. I can't do it. It's not you're, my You're going to pivot again? No, not pivoting, <laughs> not pivoting computer science. I can hire people for that. Yep, there I you just go. need more of them. Yeah. Well, Doyle, I think it's time for our seventh inning stretch. Can't wait. Can't wait to hear what Tom uh -oh. has to bring to the table on this one. So seventh inning stretches, uh, we, we asked our guests like uh, some of your favorite, personal favorites okay. in Spokane. Okay. And uh, so we'll just take it from the top. Uh, what's your favorite Spokane entertainment? Spokane entertainment. Well, probably the uh, thing that I, one of the things I enjoy the most, I mean, it's hate to disqualify anybody else, but, you know, <laughs> Bloomsday. You know, I, I, I like to run. I like athletic events. I like to be outside. And, you know, that's probably one thing I, I, I try not to miss every year. So Nice. Uh, side note, I saw your office at McKinstry Building once. It is loaded with uh, tags from running. Uh, I couldn't even count them all in five minutes. It's pretty impressive. That's cool. Yeah, anyway. I've, I've done a number of athletic events. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Uh, favorite Spokane neighborhood? South Perry District. Love it down Ooh, there. Yeah. 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 That cool. has a good vibe yeah. going. Blockhouse yeah. just went up. Yeah, you got Blockhouse. You got Perry Street Brewing, uh, the pizza, um, all sorts of great places Super down there. Cool. Yeah, that yeah. southern yeah. style. Uh, what's that one called? Casper Fry? Yeah, Casper yeah. Fry. Fry. Good yeah. one there. Yeah, good yeah. pork belly right there. Yeah, you want a good chunk of bacon, get the <laughs> pork belly. <laughs> um, favorite Spokane coffee shop? Well, that's an easy one. I think it in might Daba. be. In Daba. Come on now. <laughs> right right here. here in the 518 building. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Favorite Spokane restaurant? Favorite Spokane restaurant? Um, if I have to say the Elk. You know, nice. um, oh, yeah. kind of a mainstay here in Spokane. Also in a fun neighborhood, um, you know, sit outside in the spring and summer and fall and, you know, get the uh, um, always fun people down there and a cross section of things on the menu and good beer. And yeah. And if you so, want Mexican, they've got the right next door. Right LK. next door. Same owner. Don't you I love think? that? And that's awesome. It's cool. <laughs> um, and so what do you most enjoy about Spokane as a whole? Well, haven't I already kind of <laughs> highlighted enough? You're hey, going to exhaust me. I can't. Hey, I can't. Yeah. It's I people it. like you. It's you know. It's it's you know. Again, there's just so many interesting, passionate people here in Spokane, and and you guys reflect that. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's all about the people. And you know, it's so much fun now that we're kind of post-COVID. You know, you can be back out walking downtown on the street, saying hi to people, and. Um, you know, that's what it's all about. There's something in the water here about the people. And, 100% mm -hmm. agree. Um, and, I, and I really see it. You know, I saw it a lot when I taught at Gonzaga. And, but, you know, also all the students here in Spokane, the Whitworth, I mean, it's, it, there's, um, there's a common DNA thread. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's something in the river. Yeah, it could be. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Something in the water. Just don't huh? eat yeah. the fish out <laughs> yeah, of the yeah, river. Don't eat the fish. You're not oh. to, well, maybe one a year. Um, <laughs> to, to kind of 
bring things uh, to close here, I guess, in terms of your own leadership inspiration, yeah. uh, who's kind of the most interesting person that you've met along your journey? Most, well, I've had a chance to meet a lot of very interesting people, but one that um, really, um, and some people I spent a lot of time with, and some I just had a, a brief uh, crossing, but uh, I had the opportunity once to meet with Doug McMillan, and Doug is CEO of Walmart, and in uh, um, the, the, the peak of growing e-tails, um, I had a chance to meet with him. And I got wow. invited to actually go to his office in Bentonville, Arkansas. And here he is, you know, CEO of the, you know, the largest Fortune 500 company. Um, and I had a chance to spend, you know, 45 minutes or so with him in his office. And I was just struck by his humility and his grace and his leadership. Um, you know, I, I'm Tom Simpson from Spokane, you know, running a small e-commerce company. Um, and he was, um, again, gracious, um, very soft-spoken. Um, and I was just really inspired by his leadership, uh, his leadership style, the fact that he took some time to meet with me. Um, yeah. And, you know, he um, was just very, uh, his time, his comments, his input was just fantastic. So... That's really I only cool. spent 45 cool. minutes with him, and, and but he so made that an impact. Kind of yeah. in that brief time frame, <laughs> it was um, a real learning experience. So, nice. when you need uh, inspiration today, what do you typically turn to? Are you do you read books, or what's the kind of the yeah? I, I love reading books uh, about um, um, you know successful entrepreneurs um, and hearing their stories. And every year at Christmas time, uh, I pick out a new book. And I buy 25 or 30, the number grows every year, copies, and kind of <laughs> hand it out to people that are my close friends and business associates. Yeah. This year, uh, the book I handed out was the book by Reed Hastings, the founder of Netflix, called oh, yeah. No Rules, Rules, which I love because as an entrepreneur, I'm not necessarily dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, and you know, always kind of just kind of rearranging the furniture on, on how things ought to be done. And, and his, his book was all about that, you know, no rules, rules. So that sounds like a fun book to read. Yeah. 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 <laughs> also known as Shut Down Blockbuster Without Trying. Yeah. <laughs> that's, another oh, one of my, that's one another one of my favorite expressions. Don't be Netflix. Yeah. Blockbuster should have been Netflix, but should have been. they got Netflix. They yeah. Did. They got Netflix hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Hey, can I ask one question before we close? Yeah. I want to hear Tom Simpson's uh, exact definition of an entrepreneur. Exact hmm. definition of an entrepreneur. Two um, sentences or less. Two sentences. You know what? Um, um, just, you know, throwing all your passion and tenacity at some big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG. Boom. That's awesome. Love it. <laughs> quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> that quote is going to be framed in uh, social media land. I can sense uh, Doyle's already working yeah, on that. Right. I so. think Savannah's going to have it <laughs> popping up <laughs> in the feed here. <laughs> Well, Tom, this has been an amazing episode of the Lilac City Leadership Podcast, and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and hear part of your story and your, the why behind uh, what you do. So thanks well, thank you coming. very much. I, I, I'm honored that uh, you brought on a, a mediocre presenter, and uh, hopefully I didn't disappoint. <laughs> oh, the energy in the room here is crazy. This is so good. But anyway, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Doyle, and hey, be sure to be involved in uh, Sparks again this year. We, 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 want, we want it. I appreciate it.